0: This episode is brought to you by CORE, the brand new non-custodial wallet that offers a seamless and secure experience on Avalanche. You'll hear more about CORE later in the show.
1: This might be the most important like news that coming out of in you know, a long time DeFi. And no one oh, talks I agree. about it Com- because in, 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 in bear I think all of crypto, actually. Oh, all yeah, all yeah. crypto, because in yeah, bear yeah. markets, these things go unnoticed, right? But if you're paying attention, you look at this and you're like, and we talked about it with Eric yesterday and what needed to happen for DeFi in whatever shape or form it's going to be to become the operating standard. This introducing real world assets is messy, it's complicated, it's tricky. But the fact that this is happening is very moment. It, it is it could set it, it could set us up for the next bull run, if and when that whenever that happens. And DeFi leading the charge.
0: We are live back with another episode of Empire. We got the weekly roundup coming at you, Mano y mano, with Santi your favorite. Uh, Hope you guys all had a good weekend Uh, last weekend. Hope you guys had a good fourth. I know we were all happy to see that the Arthur Hayes doomsday predictions for the July fourth weekend did not happen. Even the smartest people in crypto have no idea what's gonna happen. Uh, We've actually seen a few green candle days since last week with BTC and ETH currently sitting at BTC over 20K, ETH over 1100. Uh, in macro, the Fed's June minutes came out on Wednesday. Nothing too surprising to me. I don't know what you think, Santi, but the TLDR is really the Fed is going to keep hiking until uh, A, either we go into like a deep, deep, deep recession, um, or B, uh, the November election, which, you know, I think is going to be a turning point uh, for the Fed. Gold uh, extended sell-off to a nine-month low on Wednesday, while the dollar hit a two-decade high. Um there're just some weird things going on in the markets right now you've got like the the yield curve inversion from front to from the front end to the 10 year rates are skyrocketing back up commodities are showing weaknesses but like the major stock indices are up on the day and yesterday it's just funky things like stocks seem very disconnected from the bond and the credit and the commodity markets right now um just weird, weird markets in general, Um, still not looking great. Obviously, we're rooting for a turnaround, but not looking great. Uh, In in, in better news, SBF came in, uh, said that the worst of the liquidity crunch appears to be over and that FTX has a few billion still to support the industry uh, if things still start, uh, keep falling. So anyways, Santi, per usual, I'll ask you the same question. How are we feeling today?
1: I'm feeling great, actually. Um, This morning, I felt more bullish than bearish. Uh, And and I, maybe it was coming off of a great episode that we recorded yesterday with Eric Peters. Shout out to Eric; he's such a great thinker, and and he was talking a lot about survival, and um, and yeah, it just got me reflecting. I, I feel, I mean, I've, I felt calm throughout this entire period. Um, disappointed in a lot of things, uh, perhaps things that I should have like been more aware of. But I'm feeling great. You know, I think uh, I think we're beginning to chop. We're beginning to understand how things might unfold. Um, it has felt like a lot of the chaos. Um, it, it just felt like week after week there was just chaos after chaos. And I mean, I'm not prepared to say that we've seen the full extent of like the the cascading effect of three arrows and how that kind of pierces through a lot of a lot of crypto. But uh, it's felt to me like that has been. I don't know. I, I agree with SBF that I think we've seen probably the worst of times. Um, I do sense a shift in in the narrative in macro away from inflation and more towards like lack of growth. And and I think that might be percolating now. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more of recessionary kind of narrative alongside growth, which I think is encouraging for crypto over medium to long term, because we know that there's a lot of growth in this industry. There's a lot of innovation and capital, at least in the private side, looking to be deployed. And I I felt, as always, and I've been saying it for a while, that, you know, crypto is a very high growth area. And just a testament of that, and I'll stop talking, is I I like watching Bloomberg. One, it's like kind of therapeutic to have it in the background. I've just like, I grew up at JP Morgan in in a trading floor environment. Like these TVs were always on. So it's like, feels like I'm in like. You know, my mother's womb or something. <laughs> Hopefully, my mother's not listening to that. I've replaced Bloomberg. You're, with my you should just
0: say your mother's womb is uh, like <laughs> yeah. the Bloomberg you know terminals like, like, and like CNBC like, playing like, in the background. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like babies, <laughs> like 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 find out their I find out. If like, I if I was
0: a nice guy, I would edit that out. But uh, we're, we're no, definitely keeping that. We one. don't we don't <laughs> ever edit anything out of these episodes, <laughs>
1: FYI. Nonetheless, uh, mom, I love you. Um, I I feel that like I, I read the paper too. Every day there's a huge column of full dedicated like Financial Times today like every day there's a full column on crypto. And some takes are pretty accurate, other takes are very extreme. Um but to me, I mean that's that alone just tells you that I mean th- there's something there and I feel like a lot of people are just continuously being exposed to this and the narrative keeps evolving so I I think that whether you, uh, we have our views around how the media portrays crypto, like Jim Krames of the world, just make a mockery of this space. But um, it's a asset class and it's growing and it's yeah. attracting a lot of eyeballs. And that's positive, I think.
0: Um, All right. So you've got SPF talking about how this could be the bottom. Uh, you're feeling pretty optimistic. Financial times is making a mockery of crypto right now, or at least they're trying to. Maybe they're making a mockery of themselves, actually. Uh, Jim Cramer is mm-hmm. coming out. He, his stance obviously completely flipped. It feels like if I'm reading between the lines, maybe two or three weeks ago, you were kind of just sitting back, t- taking all of this in. You weren't buying. You were kind of just taking all this in. Now it feels like I would assume you're still not buying, but maybe figure is mo- Finger is moving a little closer to the trigger. Am I Am I right there? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: to be fair, like I, I haven't done anything different, but um, I feel that we're perhaps closer to entering that period of three to six to nine months where we're going to be chopping, but it's not going to be as violent as volatile. Uh, And I think these are the periods where I start thinking of accumulating slowly and, and then ramping that up. Interesting feature, and this is not an endorsement to FTX, but they just rolled out, I think, a T-WAP feature. Um, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're using, which I think has always been like t into these positions, cost averaging your way in, however you want to do it, is always like a. For me, it's been a sensible strategy where I'm not looking at time markets. I'm just looking to accumulate a certain allocation of my portfolio over some period of time.
0: Yeah. Um- all right. Today's episode, we are talking about the latest updates on Contagion running through CeFi. It might get a little repetitive. It might feel like that. But I I, I personally feel like it's really important to just review what's happening with Voyager, BlockFi, Celsius, Three Arrows, Alameda, etc. SBF coming in, FTX. So we're, we're going to give a couple of quick updates there. An update on the BTC minor crises and contagion that is flowing through miners right now. We've been talking about it. It's starting to finally hit. Uh, MakerDAO has some really interesting things that we're going to talk about bringing real world assets. If you ever see RWA, that's real world assets into DeFi. Um, And then if we have time, I might ask Santi a series of some insider questions that I want to get his take on. And if we don't have time for that, we will put him on the spot next week. So anyways, uh, Santi, ready to dive in? Let's do it. Amazing. All right. Voyager update. Uh, Alameda's $500 million line of credit could not save uh, Voyager, crypto brokerage Voyager, uh, who just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on Tuesday. our team went through some of the filings. Here are the things we found. Uh, Voyager has an estimated 100,000 creditors and somewhere between a billion and 10 billion in assets with a similar range of liabilities. Uh, their plan is to restructure and maximize value for stakeholders. The question is at what cent on the dollar rate will the depositors and the creditors get paid back. Uh, some estimates are coming in around 70 cents on the dollar. I've seen 80 cents on the dollar. Um, this is really where you wish you had FDIC insurance, but uh, Voyager's bank um, is saying that there's no FDIC insurance and that uh, there's no insurance on, on some of those assets, if I understood that correctly. Uh, Alameda, who is interestingly the second largest borrower from Voyager at $376 million, has a million line of unsecured loans to Voyager. They also own 9% of Voyager's equity. Uh, They will likely take about a 20, 30% haircut on the $75 million loan, um, as it is pari passu with customer deposits and that equity is going to zero. Um, I think it's also important just in in this last note here and then I'll get your take on it, it's tough to talk about Voyager without mentioning the, the primary catalyst of the bankruptcy, which is three arrows, right? Can, three arrows continues to be a major problem for Voyager. Three arrows represents about sixty percent of Voyager's total loan book, over six hundred and fifty million in loans. Uh, they uh, also made, I think they made the six hundred and fifty million dollar loan Voyager did on an uncollateralized basis, not under collateralized, uh, fully uncollateralized, zero collateral. Uh, if I understand that correctly. Um, That is just, uh, right. So what three hours would do is they were borrowing from Voyager at 12% against zero collateral, depositing those funds in anchor at uh, 19% free money until it all blew up. So anyways, uh, TLDR, Voyager filed for bankruptcy, chapter 11 bankruptcy this week. Any thoughts there, Santi?
1: And that was a great uh, summary. The only thing that is going to be interesting is this idea of FDFC insurance, Um, you know, as um, as a uh, as sweet and as great as DeFi can be, and and uh, you know attracting a lot of people on this higher interest rate. Historically, we've been in a low, record low interest rate environment. So this this precedent is pretty interesting. It, it leaves you wondering, um, you know, can we ever uh, can we get FDIC insurance um, if and when your financial institution is tapping into DeFi? Like I, I would be looking at this and asking the, the the hard question, which is, am I FDIC insured? And I think um, it's important. Um, FDIC insurance is super important. It only covers, remind me, um, Jason, this applies only to US depositors, right? Uh, there's other kind of similar versions of this elsewhere, but it's like up to what, 150,000, I think? 250,000? 250, 250,000, 250, right? Um, so look, it's something. And so uh, that, that's something that I found interesting. Um, had it been regulated like a normal bank, then perhaps you could have argued, but these these institutions are not, or have have argued for a long time not to be regulated as banks, And so naturally they don't get the benefit of FDIC insurance, I think.
0: Yeah. And the, and the reason we're talking about this, there's a tweet from uh, November 12th, 2020. Voyager tweeted out, have you heard USD with Voyager is FDIC insured up to 250K? So Voyager in their marketing was saying your money is USDC insured. Um, it looks like, or uh, FDIC insured. It looks like the FDIC insurance is not protecting Voyager mm-hmm. against this bankruptcy. We'll, well, I don't have all the details. I haven't by, fully dug by into. By the way, that
1: that might but. be that might be what comes and bites him in the ass because that opens exactly. him up to yeah. a class action lawsuit, right? I mean, that screams to me misrepresentation. Um, and if you were a depositor in 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 Voyager and had expected that, then you have a pretty good claim pointing towards that. Um, And so, look, I I don't want to trigger like ambulance chasing lawyers, but I think as a depositor, I sympathize with a lot of people that might thought that they were going to be protected the same way that they get protected um, in a normal bank.
0: Right. I'm looking at Voyager's website here. Uh, There's a blog post from December of 2019. The blog post is titled USDC held with Voyager is FDIC insured. I just pulled up their disclosures and it said... And on their disclosures page today, it says crypto held on the Voyager platform is not protected by FDIC insurance. So these are two polar opposite statements. Uh, so this could be what comes back to bite them in the ass. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it sucks. Actually, I have a little bit of money on uh, Circle. Circle's retail app from back in the day. If you remember, Circle had that retail app in like 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where I bought some crypto. Voyager acquired them. Um and, and, so and in voyager. Uh, now my vo- yeah well it's still in that circle app because mm-hmm. it's a new york because i signed up with a new york license and technically then they weren't able to transfer it over to to uh to voyager to because voyager. of the bit license so so basically only the new york residents have their money still sitting in the circle app and i just kind of left it i was just sitting on it. i was like yeah whatever um and now i can't pull it out which sucks but what are you gonna do yeah. Three Arrows um, has been ordered into a liquidation. We talked about this briefly last week by a British Virgin Islands court, BVI court. They filed for chapter 15 bankruptcy on Saturday. Um, Adam Cochran had some good takes on this that I want to try to summarize. Um, in terms of the bankruptcy, the li- Three Arrows liquidation feels pretty comical. Uh, first, they self-filed for the liquidation. This is, a, this is actually a big deal. Uh, this was not appointed by a court. They decided to file themselves. This typically means, as Adam says, I'm not a lawyer, it means that they know it's over. Um, it's also an interesting play that usually results in more favorable treatment when you actually self-file. Now, getting into the more favorable treatment, what are they actually looking for here? Uh, Suzu is listed as a creditor himself in the application. So Sue actually put himself... Um, is claiming himself as a creditor, meaning in a liquidation, the assets are always distributed back to the creditors, right? Sue is claiming himself as a creditor. That is a, and and right, there are, there are reasons why this could happen, right? That maybe Sue put up some of his own starting capital for the fund. He loaned uh, three R some of his own personal money. Maybe he uh, made himself a guarantor on the fund assets, but it just feels like a like a shameless and bold move to make himself a creditor on these assets. And I feel like there are a lot of startups that gave capital to three arrows that should get that money before Sue should. So, um, and I think the last piece from the bankruptcy, again, taken from Adam is uh, the whole bankruptcy filing in, in summary, shows that or suggests that A, there are still assets. B, those assets include coins and tokens. C, those assets are worth fighting over. And D, uh, maybe most importantly, we have not seen the end of this quote unquote dicey saga, as Adam says. So uh, any any yeah. thoughts on three arrows here?
1: No, I mean, I, again, like I don't have any information other than what's out there available. Um, the thing that I found interesting is, um, you know, obviously they moved to Dubai and he's been trying to liquidate um, uh, a house uh, that is in Singapore under his son's name and then other assets pretty quickly. Um, it has felt obviously the, there's going to be a lot of forensics. And I think crypto Twitter does a pretty good job at this. Uh, there seems like a trading arm and an operation. So I think a lot of what is happening here, my interpretation is they've started this bankruptcy to protect and kind of insulate perhaps where the true value and, and any sort of money that is left, uh, in sort of a trading arm, I think that they had. Um, and so that feels to me like they, they, they triggered this bankruptcy to protect themselves and isolate themselves from kind of creditors coming after everything. Right. Um, yeah. and the other of course is, uh, starry night, which is their NFT fund. I've seen some <clears throat> kind of things being circulated and, uh, it sounds like, uh, the manager of starry night, Vincent van Doe, Vince, Vincent van Doe, I think.
0: Doe, was, cu- was, yeah,
1: I yeah, was caught off guard. Along with Defiance who who is VVD well. is that
0: is that Kyle? I have no
1: idea. No, no, I actually don't know who this person is. I mean, I think it's pseudonymous. Um, he's a collector who is managing this fund. Uh, one of the things that hundred million dollar
0: uh, NFT fund, right? Yeah, correct.
1: Uh, and he, it's. I'm looking at that because there might be some fire sales in the NFT land, and so I find that pretty interesting and compelling. I don't know if they're gonna how they're gonna liquidate that, um, but at some point you assume that they will, and what was interesting is that my understanding is that all of those wallets were kind of controlled by like three arrows. So it feels like, like three Arrows had like, I mean, there's a lot of connectivity that three Arrows had with like these two fonts, but their ability to like sweep wallets and control wallets was, was, was pretty like deep. And I don't know, like, I think, I don't think you should be structuring things like that. Like, uh, you know, if someone like, even if they have like some sort of majority ownership, like you typically have like some sort of like compliance and like uh, processes in place where in order to move assets, you need to have like two or three approvals. And I don't know, these are the things that like, proto- like you have certain protocols internally as a fund to like, make sure that there's not like key man risk. Like if like Kyle were to go crazy or Sue goes crazy, like he can't just sweep a wallet, but it sounds like they actually could. Which to me just screams like, like who 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 advised them on the structuring of this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, it is alarming, uh, candidly. And it's you should always never you should never skip on lawyer fees and accounting fees as much as they are painful. But like in this asset class, like you just need to structure things in a very like as perfect way possible because I don't know, like these things are pretty real, and you never think that it's going to happen to you, and then you know it does. So. Yeah, like 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 in your I mean, and, and you don't have to tell us everything, but like for your wallets, like can you move them around just at will? Or do you have like a controller and like maybe your co-founder that like there's a multi-sig and people need to sign and like approve a transaction over a certain threshold? Like these are like common governance practices, yeah. and best practices that yeah, exist yeah. not only in crypto, but just in any company. That's,
0: yeah, know, I mean, not in pretty much all of my. Crypto is you you need a multi-sig to move it. You need there need there need there's there are multiple signers. I cannot move probably 95% of my crypto. Um, there you go. and yeah. So um are you are were you a, uh, an investor, an LP in Defiance in Arthur's no nope.
1: nope. No. I had no exposure to three arrows or Terra or any of that, you know, knock on wood, but no.
0: Yeah. Um another uh, a couple other companies will move move on from this uh, genesis the institutional crypto trading desk prime brokerage confirmed Wednesday that the large par- counterparty who failed to pay their margin calls in June was in fact three arrows this was the speculation and it, it is true uh, genesis sold three arrows collateral upon the failed margin calls to hedge their downside uh, but this still led to some material losses um genesis genesis will be fine they've got the full weight of like, A, they're probably the most successful lending desk in crypto of all time um, or trading desk. And then uh, B, they're backed by the full weight of DCG. So Genesis will be just fine. Uh, Celsius looks like they're actually paying down some loans. Um, and it looks like they could make it out of this, actually, um, <laughs> which is just nuts. Uh, they let go of, I think, uh, about 150 employees to reduce the burn. They have now paid off over, I think, $200 million of their debt. Um, I think when we were, I think maybe an hour ago or so, as we were recording this, uh, Celsius, or right before we recorded this, they finished paying off their loan to Maker, um, and Maker got how much was this? Four hundred and forty million in collateral million. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, forty-one million.
1: Well, they owed four, them. I think the debt outstanding was forty-one million, um, and the collateral posted against that was 220, two hundred twenty. Was it oh, twenty-two thousand big wrap Bitcoin? So that's worth four hundred forty million. Uh, sorry. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, it looks like, okay, I'm, I'm just reading some of these other notes here. Celsius reshuffled their board of directors. They appear to be finding ways to stave off bankruptcy via other restructuring measures. Um, it's interesting, FTX and Alameda, so, so like on one hand, you could say that Celsius might actually make it out, make it out of this, um, which then it's like, well, should they make it out of this? And yeah. who's going to give them their capital? And on the other hand, it's like, well, FTX and Alameda, who like, clearly desperately wanted to give capital to folks to start acquiring people on the cheap for pennies on the dollar. They extended loans to both BlockFi and Voyager, um, who are even worse off now than perceived last week, but they passed on Celsius after looking at their balance sheet. Um, So it seems, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure.
1: My gut in my head, if you have any money in Celsius, take it out if you can, as soon as possible. Like,
0: would you say that about the, uh, would you say that about about exchanges? Like, would you be, so I think it's, I, hopefully it's obvious to people, take your money out of these CFI lend and borrow platforms. What about the exchanges right now? Maybe like the tier two, like the Coinbase's and Binance's of the world will be totally mm-hmm. fine. But what about maybe like the tier two yeah. or tier three?
1: Well, my view is an, like an idealistic one, and then I'll give you a practical one. The idealistic one is minimize any significant sums of money and put them in like a multi-sig, like your keys, you control that. And you minimize counterparty risk, but I would say, for now, you know, tier ones, as you said, FTX, Binance, Coinbase seem the the better ones out there. Um, but it, and so, you know, I don't want to sound alarms here, but there's been a lot of, I think, fudding out there um, on some of these tier two exchanges, and it can cause a lot of harm to them, uh, just like a, ban- a tr- triggered bank run, maybe without merit, but. Um, yeah, I'd be cautious on that, you know, um, I think if if you have any degree of of uncertainty and you have your spidey senses go off, don't risk it. <laughs> Honestly, just go to a safer place um, and 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 don't, uh, you know, minimize minimize your exposure. Yeah.
0: When when you say set up a multisig, where like are you doing this through like Coinbase now has the ability to set up uh, a multisig <laughs> through Coinbase? Or are you doing this on um-
1: Gnosis? Like, like, Gnosis, like thank Gnosis. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tricky, right? Because Gnosis only covers my understanding, I think, is only e- like Ethereum and ERC20 tokens. Uh, I, they may have launched in Solana, but actually, like, so yeah, for now, like, I mean, yeah, Gnosis is is pretty battle tested. Um, but, you know, like, depends on the sum. Some of these providers, like Fireblocks, that you're still in control of your keys, don't take like retail money. It's just purely if you're a fund or like a, you know, a protocol of sorts. Um, but yeah, like, again, the, the, the strategy that I like to use is, and I'll use a Harry Potter analogy is a Horcrux model, which is just segregate, have multiple wallets, multiple, like, you know, if you're going to use FTX Coinbase, use all of them candidly and minimize your exposure, yeah. right? If one wallet gets compromised, if one counterparty gets compromised, you don't lose it all. And so I think that strategy is, I think, a sensible one. Yeah. Not, not just yeah. in this environment, just in any environment, you want to like have multiple r- like layers of redundancy and 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 diversification.
0: I agree. Um can I ask you a you 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 can skip this question if, if you don't want to mm-hmm. answer it. What percentage of your capital is on centralized platforms? So I'm talking the, you know, maybe Binance or Coinbase or whoever it may be like that. Mm-hmm. Gemini um versus uh Nosis, MetaMask in, in in crypto wallets
1: of of my crypto portfolio.
0: Of your crypto portfolio, yeah. And then the third bucket would be self-custody, like a Ledger or a a Trezor.
1: Oof, uh, like 1% of my assets are with like, like, uh, well, maybe no more than 5% are with like centralized institutions that control my keys. I'm comfortable with that.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Uh, BlockFi (laughs) announced their deal with FTX while the rumor was a buyout at a measly $25 million valuation. Uh, The real deal involves $680 million of total potential capital. Uh, There's a $400 million credit facility. And then the option for FTFs to acquire the firm at up to $240 million. I think if they hit, maybe, I think it's honestly like, I think it's like an earnout, basically. Like Zach and Flory have to probably stay on and uh, hmm. hit different milestones. So uh, well, much better than the original deal, but still values BlockFi it uh, much less it than the... Is it? Because like I mean, it's better than that, 25 like, Wait million. <laughs> well,
1: it may be 25 though.
0: This is if, thing. Well, the, the, well no, the, no, no, I know, the, I know, I know. The, the key it, clause it's a better, there
1: is up to 240
0: million. I know, I know milestones, right, right, milestones,
1: right. Okay, right. what if you don't hit any milestones? You still have the option to acquire them maybe at 25, maybe at 10 million. Who, who knows? Like, I don't have details of this. You're an investor. You should know. Why don't they email you these things? Uh, well, yes, uh, in process. But
0: nonetheless, <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, I saw you, like- I saw you on Twitter. Like, I was like- I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I, you're I'm, like, what the hell's the deal? You're like, let me know.
1: Up to 240 million, which is a massive discount. What was the latest valuation? Three billion or a billion? I forget.
0: Was it three? I think I think three. They're going to raise a five. That got yanked. Yeah. Yeah. You're left wondering, like,
1: I think at some point- it was there's was a speculation of them going public? Like what would have happened in like BlockFi was public company? I guess like Voyager, but um Voyager like is public.
0: <laughs> Just not in the US, but correct.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, anyways, I would be really curious to see what those earnouts and milestones like those
0: milestones are to get to two forty. I agree. I agree. Um does this change how you view private market investing? Um, because a company like BlockFi, it was it, like BlockFi is one of the golden childs, right? Like if you got into the seed round or series what is it, A,
1: whoosh, what is it pop? Like,
0: you know, dude. get on the rocket ship. <laughs> Shout out Pomp. Jesus. I love Pomp. So we I, don't. Uh, like I can't, I can't hate on Pomp. Um, I don't hate him, but I just don't love him. <laughs> you, do, you don't watch that. <laughs>
1: it's too much, man. It's like, it's a clown. Like, 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 get on, like tone it down. Okay. This is a problem that I have with crypto. It's like a bunch of like charlatans out there and like, guys, like, let's stop using superlative, like stop using extreme. Like, you know, like sometimes it's excited about we're excited about this technology. But, you know, that kind of
0: stuff. Just don't, I, I, I don't know. It's cringe. I, I got nothing for love for Pop. Uh, Pop uh, you know, Pop is, uh, Pop is the reason I post on Twitter on twitter mike and i when we oh. met pomp we each had like 100 followers and pomps and we did a race to two thousand followers and pomp taught us how to how to tweet and uh actually i think mike beat me to two thousand followers. wait he taught then, you to
1: follow and then unfollow and use bots and buy <laughs> and buy followers no, i'm just kidding
0: shouldn't have brought this up Should <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get an angry text from from uh, someone it's okay, it's uh, okay in the next couple of days so anyways pomp, you moving past time. that yeah, um past. Does this does this change your mindset on C, like, C, like early stage private investing, right? Because even the best mm-hmm. private investments, like BlockFi, seem to be the golden child of the mm-hmm. last market. That um that like the like I mean, yeah, even
1: in a bull market, I think if you're a series C and above for Coinbase at the peak of its public market valuation, once it ipo you would have still underperformed Bitcoin or Ethereum. And so like I had the ability to invest in Coinbase after the Series C and I didn't. And for a while, like I, I was I was kicking myself for that. And then and then obviously, you know, as it turns out, um, you know, it it, it became clear that, you know, you're better off holding a liquid asset um that you control. Like, I mean, I think like people ask me this a lot. It's like, you know, as fund man, like a lot of fund managers, I think, out there are trying to like get too sophisticated. And I've always told people, look, sometimes like it's okay to charge people, like to manage a position and just owning Bitcoin and Ethereum might be the cleanest bet that you can make in this space or take a basket of like an index, an index of, of the top crypto assets. How are you going to slice that, cut that thematically or by market cap or whatever. But, um, yeah, increasingly, like I've sort of come to that conclusion that sometimes the best bet (laughs) and the cleanest bet is just, honestly, just owning Bitcoin, Ethereum. Yeah. Um, that would pick your other flavors, you know. But, um, like I've said this before in the episode with Travis, it's like, you know, I would surmise that, like, if you construct a portfolio today, one, which is, say, just a, like Eric did it, like, you know, some sort of ratio, 60-40, 50-50 Bitcoin ETH. That's one. Another one is an index of like the top 10 by market cap that rebalances constantly, like kind of like an SP for crypto. And then the other one is like you invest in a fund. I think, I think the first two portfolios outperform the third one. Yeah. For the most part, unless you're like the the best fund out there. Um, But for the most part, I think you're going to outperform. And the nice thing is that the first two strategies anyone can access. Literally. And so that's like a, The last thing I'll say is like, uh, there's a great interview of a lot of really good hedge fund managers, including like, or venture guys like Andreessen Horowitz, like um, Mark Andreessen. He gets asked this question, like, hey, if you had like $10 million, $100 million today, a million dollars today, like, where would you invest it? Coming from one of the best investors of all time, honestly, I would just put an S&P index and let it ride. (laughs) And, you know, like, we talk a lot about the catalyst for next cycle and what really is going to take crypto mainstream. I think it's hard to predict these things, but a rebalancing index is going to capture that and from a time management perspective it will do that for you and so like as simple as it may sound i think those strategies will outperform most like not like 99 of other strategies out there
0: yep i agree i agree
1: and 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 especially on the private side like it's tough to say because i like it a lot um for a number of reasons there is sort of this power law dynamic that like one Two, three investments on the private side super early will, can make for a lot of your losses, um, it's difficult. It's not, yeah. and it's not very scalable strategy either, I would say. And requires yeah. a lot of time.
0: I'm moving on. Moving we got on. a clock. Yes. Um, Bitcoin miners capitulating. If you guys have been listening to the roundup, you would know this was coming. We've been talking about it. Last week, we talked about how many uh, Bitcoin miners are how Bitcoin miners are struggling to remain solvent due to high leverage. Bitcoin prices falling, liabilities from pre-ordered mining rigs. Uh, On Tuesday, we saw this thesis play out with Core Scientific. Uh, They sold 7,202 Bitcoin last month at an average price of $23,000. For anyone doing the mental math on that, that is about $167 million. Uh, Why did they do this? They have to cover the cost of their servers, increase data capacity, pay off debts. This represents over 75% of their Bitcoin holdings. Man, what a dagger to have to sell 75% of your holdings. Um, Their CEO noted uh, that they will continue to sell mined Bitcoin uh, to strengthen their balance sheet and enhance liquidity, but noted that they will take advantage of other distressed opportunities as they arrive. That sounds like a nice PR message. Um, Despite the market conditions, Core Scientific says they still expect to deploy another 70,000 new self-mining ASIC servers over the next six months, and that they've already paid off ninety percent of the cost for these new additions. Um, all right, it's happening. minor capitulation, it's coming. I mean, yeah, that's
1: something a lot of uh, folks like monitor. How much of like uh, reserves that miners haven't sold are in their balance sheet yeah. and or their wallets, and as as that that again talks about the sell pressure, right? And so if you monitor that, and as soon as they kind of exhaust that, um, then then you start bottoming out or at least forming a range or a view that okay that selling pressure is gone. Um, I was thinking about this as an aside is it, it must be one of the hardest jobs in crypto. Running a fund, yes. Like being an operator even more so because it's the community just shouts at you when things go marginally wrong. But a miner is a very tough business. Not only- So you, hard,
0: so like, hard. You need
1: to constantly replace ASIC miners. Uh, is ASIC- You have quote, to
0: buy inventory 18 the, months in advance. 18 and months and like, in and advance, yeah.
1: It depreciates very quickly it's more competitive, there's geopolitical risk. Um, And and not only that, you need to kind of also like have a view on the price of the underlying and like hedge it and or, and I think a lot of people, a lot of miners get into trouble when they try to be too greedy and like run a fund and meaning have a directional view on the asset. Like, of course you're mining it because you think it's profitable, but yeah, it's like managing the CapEx, the OpEx, and also taking a directional view on where the asset's going to go. It's really tough in a space that you yeah. can't, like if you're an oil, like like extract, like if you're an oil and gas company or whatever, like there are very, like the market is more sophisticated in terms of instruments to hedge your exposure and all this stuff. They even get into trouble too. Uh, so in crypto, yeah. obviously you don't even have these instruments uh, or the markets that like not as sophisticated to hedge this sort of stuff. It's possible, but it's like difficult, more difficult. So I sympathize with a lot yeah. of miners out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have lower Bitcoin price right now, higher hash difficulty, higher energy costs. It put It's put serious pressure on the miners' margins, right? Hash price is now mm-hmm. the lowest it's been since I think like October of 2020. I need to look back at the data. That was from a week or two when I was looking mm-hmm. at uh, who had that glass node. Glass node's really good for this kind of stuff. But um, we have a really good mining episode coming up that you guys should, uh, if you guys aren't subscribed to Empire already, you should subscribe. We've got Uh, Foundry, which is DCG's mining arm. Uh, We've got Galaxy Digital's uh, Bitcoin mining team coming on uh, and maybe one other person who we'd be lucky to get as well. So that'll be a really good mining episode. We will, we're recording it next week. So we'll try to do a rush edit, get it out next week as well. I think the things to be looking at in mining right now uh, that we'll be sure to talk about on that next episode, uh, distressed debt is definitely coming to mining, right? Opportunities are gonna exist for those with dry powder. I would not be surprised to see FTX make a play in the mining space as well. Um MA, acquisition of hardware, acquisition of sites, all these things are gonna be at a steep discount. I think rigs are gonna go on sale at a steep discount as miners kind of start defaulting on their prior uh right, like you're talking about, Santi, you, you buy these things 18 months in advance. I have a feeling you start to see some of some defaults on some of those contracts uh, for selling of existing and ordered rigs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is going to give miners with dry powder the the ability to expand operations at a much lower cost than ever. Let me ask
1: you one simple question. Would you rather own mining stock or Bitcoin or like Ethereum?
0: Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Exactly. There you go all right folks this episode is brought to you by our friends at avalanche and ava labs they have just dropped a new crypto wallet called core you're going to be hearing a lot about it over the coming months you can now be one of the first to try it out here's the reason i'm excited to partner with them on empire right now crypto wallets and browser extensions they feel clunky they feel non-intuitive that's why ava labs built core it's a free non-custodial browser extension that gives Avalanche users a seamless and secure web 3 experience across the entire Avalanche ecosystem. Here are a few reasons to try core. Here's what I'm experimenting with. Number one, core has intuitive dashboards with a unified display for all of your NFT collections, all your crypto assets. You can execute asset swaps directly inside the wallet. It's a really nice experience. Uh, Maybe you want to earn yield or borrow against your Bitcoin. Uh, but you don't want to do it on one of those C5 platforms right now. Core's native bridging functionality makes it really easy to bridge your Bitcoin to Avalanche's robust DeFi ecosystem. Last but not least, Core makes on ramping super easy. You can convert dollars to crypto right now using the MoonPay integration, just takes a few clicks download core today using the link in the show notes. It's really, really nice. Uh, if you're interested in the avalanche ecosystem at all, you have to be using core, download core using the link below. Now let's get back to the show. Like, anyways, moving on. MakerDAO is serious about bringing real world assets into DeFi. Um, have you been following this with Maker? Mm-hmm. Uh, The maker community has uh, mostly aligned on the need to onboard real world assets and other off-chain collateral to help die, scale and meet user demand. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of reliance on off-chain assets... Uh, was was almost like forced into the protocol in the aftermath of March of 2020 uh, when USdc was onboarded via an emergency vote to help stem a liquidity crisis I know you were very deep into maker back then
1: uh, yeah dur- during that time I think we didn't we were running very low on sleep to try to it felt like maker was in a very precarious situation and we made the decision albeit controversial to onboard USdc
0: is that when you got addicted to coffee? Oh
1: no no no! I've been addicted to coffee like since I was twelve or something. Can't you tell?
0: Can't you tell? The scars. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> can, wait, wait. Can you can you tell us about that time? Is that a? Is there anything that happened behind the scenes that was just like? I, I honestly was, I'd love to was, hear about that time. It just
1: it just felt like today, you know, people, people like take for granted how powerful and beautiful defi is like the extent of these orderly liquidations is is a i always am shocked and surprised in a good way of how how good the system works back then there's a couple of things that went wrong including the most important one which is maker didn't have a very good keeper ecosystem meaning people that liquidate the collateral when when the price when the price falls and needs to be liquidated um and it, it was some things that have been solved. I think it was just too difficult. To, there was not a lot of documentation. It wasn't easy. Now it's become easier. But uh, yeah, for a while there, you were just looking at the screens and like if ETH goes down another 20 bucks, I don't know what's going to happen to Maker. I, like I don't know if we're going to be able to absorb all these liquidations. And so it, it was just a very, it was a very difficult time. And historically, the community has been, there was a subset of the Maker community that has been very vocal against Keeping it pure, pristine collateral, like single collateral die back purely by ETH. Um, but I think in that moment in time, it, it was just like, all right, let's just kind of survive yeah. and introduce other forms of collateral because ETH just felt like it was—you didn't know when it was going to stop. Eric talked about this in the episode yesterday. It's like <laughs> there's no bailouts here, guys. Like there's no yeah. there's no halting markets. You know, these are twenty four seven markets. It's pure. Like laissez faire. It's just, it's just, it could be savage out there. Yeah. And you didn't know where it was going to bottom. And so introducing another form of collateral just felt like it would, it was the right thing to do to ensure that, you know, the survivability of the protocol.
0: Yeah. Um, so here's what happened. Basically, uh, onboarded USDC. Uh, that helped ensure DAI's liquidity, helped prevent deviation from the peg. The, the downside of that is you don't earn any revenues to counterbalance some of the increased credit and centralization risk that maybe you have when you bring on USDC. So USD, TLDR, USDC has been great for, for Maker to maintain the dollar peg, but Maker misses out on this massive amount of revenue uh, that these uh, that that they could be receiving, right? Um, from, from the interest on these stables. And so uh, the community passed. MIP65 last Friday. This dictates where $500 million of USDC should go. Uh, The winning choice was a combination of 80% U.S. short-term treasuries and 20% investment-grade corporate bonds purchased by our friends over at BlackRock. Uh, The Dow also approved this morning a $100 million die debt facility uh, proposed by HVB, Huntington Valley Bank. That is a bank that is 151 years old. Uh, This would be the largest real-world asset maker vault to date. And the first collateral integration from a US-based bank into the DeFi ecosystem. This is a big freaking deal. Um, I think this is not being talked about enough. Uh, It's a hundred, I mean- This
1: might be the most important like news that coming out of in a long time DeFi. And no one talks about it because- In 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 crypto. I think all of crypto actually. All all of crypto. Because in bear markets, these things go unnoticed, right? But if you're paying attention, you look at this and you're like, and we talked about it with Eric yesterday and what needed to happen. For DeFi, in whatever shape, form it's going to be, to become the operating standard, this introducing real world assets is messy, is complicated, it's tricky, but the fact that this is happening is very moment. It, it is, it could set it, it could set us up for the next bull run, if and when that whenever that happens, and DeFi leading the charge.
0: You know what I mean? Like. Yep. Yeah, agreed. I mean, this is Huntington Valley Bank is not a big bank, but I think the number to look at here, uh, HVB has about, I think 500 million in assets. They're putting 100 million into a maker vault. That is 20% of the bank's assets are going into a maker vault, if I understand this correctly. So um, pretty damn big deal. Also, some big governance decisions are being made over at Maker. Uh it feels like they're kind of two camps. You've got the like the Rune camp and you've got the Hasu camp. Uh, big shout out to Hasu, uh, who is doing a lot to, I think, move governance uh, forward, really, really think deeply about DAOs. Why are they valuable? Why are they necessary? What is the best way to organize them? Uh, so I would recommend folks pay attention to that. Uh, Hasu's going to come on the podcast. We're doing a big episode on Maker. We've got Monet Supply coming on, uh, mm-hmm. Sam from over at Maker. So I'm really excited about some of those episodes that are coming up. Um, also on the DeFi side of things, uh, Ave, our friends, your friends, Donnie, uh, mm-hmm. our, our, our lads over at Aave, uh launched their own stablecoin today no or they're announcing they're uh, they voting on that- a proposal to build a stablecoin i have a feeling it'll get passed it feels like a no-brainer um
1: yeah it's been in the works for a while and uh it yeah. will be very interesting to see um you know um it, it how the community responds to that but yeah this is something we should definitely talk about i know we're running short on time but this is something that yeah. again it's very momentous and we should be paying attention and talk, covering it
0: yeah uh, you think compound regret do you remember back in 2020 uh with the, do you remember compound chain
1: yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Just didn't really make it to market. Um, is is that, to-
1: I, I don't know. Has it been totally shelved or is that just. I, I'm kinda- not
0: sure, but I think compound was close actually to releasing a stable coin in 2020, mm-hmm. in 2020 when they announced compound chain, but it didn't, it just didn't really make it to market. Um,
1: or has not yet made it to market.
0: It has not. Yeah. Which is funny. I remember 2020 looking at comp, like hearing that compound was thinking about a stable coin i was like ah so late so late like too too late to the market with a stable uh and just like whenever i think there's this feeling you always feel like you're late in crypto um, Mm -hmm. oh yeah but still so early so yeah um we do have to wrap it i have a uh we're recording with um matthew ball an amazing metaverse episode uh in a couple minutes um i think that's solo episode from me so uh Unfortunately, we have to wrap this. Some other things I'd recommend pay, folks uh, pay attention to, we can drop these in the show notes. Uh, Mika or Mika, I forget how to pronounce his name, uh, Honka Salo, who has been on the show before, has an idea for Uniswap, uh, a roadmap for uni holders to take control of the Uniswap protocol. Um, it's got a fee switch experimentation, recognized delegation program, a public development roadmap, um forming teams outside of Uniswap Labs I'd really recommend people read that proposal uh from Mika or Mika, uh, Mika. Ave proposed that yeah Mika thank you uh Ave proposed a native decentralized collateral backed stablecoin GHO that is pegged to USD we'll put some notes um in the show notes like we just talked about um and then I would recommend lo- uh, folks look at the data from OpenSea uh OpenSea users are absolutely dropping off a cliff uh research analyst at Blockworks Ryan Westy uh Westy on Twitter uh showed that OpenSea users have dropped or fallen from 50,000 to 4,000, um, which is just a colossal, uh, colossal drop. Um,
1: it's really the tail end of, of users. Yeah, it's it's really the small. Yeah,
0: volume volume yeah. per user has skyrocketed, right? So mm-hmm. it's gone from half an ETH per user to three ETH. But so it's really just the power users, which we we know would happen. We knew this would mm-hmm. happen. It's the power users in crypto. And then uh, the last, last but not least, Reddit is launching a new uh, NFT marketplace on Polygon. So yeah. Uh, interesting yeah. development
1: yeah the, the last thing is obviously board ape the metaverse it was uh i think it was a beta dry run which right. uh, a lot of people were really psyched about i think 2500 people like showed up and pretty interesting uh here's
0: here's why that news is actually way more interesting than people realize is um i have buddies at like epic games and, and and fortnite and uh roblox and and things like that there's a big issue in gaming which is it's really hard to get a lot of people in these, like, metaverse worlds together. Board, uh, so, like, Fortnite, for example, caps, caps each server at a couple hundred people. I think it's actually only 100 per game. Board mm-hmm. Ape had 2,500 people in their world yesterday, which is... It- Really, really, really?
1: like a, the clips. It looked like like total like Burning Man chaos. People were jumping. I mean, around it, like, I mean, it, it, it didn't it, look, look look amazing. I like, will say, like, but it, it looked like a New York playground, with, like where, where people bring their dogs and and you everyone as if everyone like let their dogs like unleash their dogs and they were just running around like crazy. It was just like total chaos, but <laughs> somehow
0: awesome to see so super no. just really awesome yeah it's uh tough to bet against human ingenuity as eric peters talks about dropping that yeah. episode next week really excited for it santi this has been a pleasure i know i yes. said i'd ask you some insider questions come prepared next week for the hard-hitting cues we got friend. we
1: gotta we gotta leave some breadcrumbs for people to come back next week so we'll see you next week guys uh, <laughs> and stay safe out there and you know have fun
0: Alrighty, be well folks thank you